You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Gina Malisha. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. Isn't that a nice number, 188? It's kind it of is. like, it's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's a, it's a squishy, warm, cuddly number. It is. It's like two, um, curvy what women. What are they called? Uh, yeah. Guitars. Well, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or two infinities. It's like yes. it's a beautiful number. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, how are you? What's happening? <sighs> There's just so much going on. And when you know when you ask me that question, I never have an answer for you because mm, I can't yeah. remember what I did two minutes ago. Yes, I know. I suffer the same thing quite often. <laughs> mm. But, you know, hey. Think of something. <laughs> well, I'm, excited. <laughs> I'm excited for today's show because we have legendary photographer Chris Cafaro coming on. Awesome. And uh, I'm very excited to share that with you. And uh, we're getting good response from a lot of the interviews. Uh, people are, are really enjoying yes. them. And so we'll definitely be bringing you more of those. Yeah, definitely. And we want to give a big shout out to Sonia Ray, who has kindly left us a review on iTunes. And uh, it's called, it's titled So Helpful, Funny and Real. And it's a five star rating, which is very exciting. And Sonia Ray has said, after 10 years of dreaming about making photography more central in my life, I'm taking the leap and getting my business off the ground. I have a toddler and am due any day with baby number two. Run a business consulting gig part time. And am building this creative business from the ground up. Listening to this podcast is like having two mentors in my back pocket without having to find childcare or juggle schedules. Thank you so much for sharing your insights. Awesome. Love That's it. That's fantastic. And so we come yes. around, we're in your lounge room with the kids, <laughs> uh, shaking the rattle, keeping them distracted, you know. Well, there's one not out yet, but probably one's born already now as we yeah, speak. So yeah, yeah. How exciting. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much <laughs> for taking the, t- the time to give us that feedback, Sonia Ray. We really appreciate it and we're so thrilled that uh, we can help in some way. Now, if anyone else, if any other listeners have two seconds, well, maybe 30 seconds, to leave us a review or rating on iTunes, we'd really be grateful because it certainly helps us in the rankings and it helps us continue bringing this podcast to you. Now, I'm so excited as well uh, Mm. about this week's episode because you interviewed a pretty cool guy. Tell us a little bit more about what's happening this week. Yes, photographer Chris Cafaro is an absolute legend. And if it wasn't enough for me to be impressed by the fact that if you see the cover art of this week's podcast, it's that image of George Michael from the Faith Tour, which I mm. love. So I love George Michael as much as you love John Bon Jovi, Val. <laughs> I love okay. George Michael so okay. much. Anyway, okay. so and that faith tour where George Michael. Do you Michael, love him in the same way? I no, love John Bon Jovi. No, I just love him. No, I can't okay. love George Michael in the same way that you love George. Um, John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi, but I love okay. him anyway, and I, I have for many, I, many years. I love how we have now interviewed John Bon Jovi's photographer and I George know. Michael's photographer. I know. Uh, <laughs> If Herb Ritz was still alive, I would have interviewed him as well because he photographed Madonna. But anyway, mm. let's just go through every uh, band and singer that we love and interview them. Uh, so 
Chris took that photo from the Faith tour. And How iconic. Like, iconic. And then mm. I'm like researching Chris and he, he, here it, here's the thing with Chris. You, I know a lot of people are saying who. There is a lot of people that have never heard his name, but you definitely, definitely know know his work and so Chris is known as one of the best kept secrets in the music industry he has photographed everyone and all these images are iconic Nick Cave Nirvana Pearl Jam Jane's Addiction George Harrison Phil Collins George Michael of course in excess Uh, and and like when you dig deeper into his website, you find that he's, he also does, like, just on the side, <laughs> like iconic shows like American Idol and Glee. He's photographed mm. actors like Johnny Depp, Jack Black, Jamie Foxx, Cindy Crawford. And I think what you're going to love about this interview is he's been doing this for 40 years, Val, and you know that people after they've been doing stuff for a long time, some of them kind of the passion kind of goes away not the case with Chris Mm. he is a passionate photographer and I dare you to listen to this interview and not be inspired to go out and work a hundred percent harder so he generously shares some of his favorite shooting hacks so even if you're not going out there and you're not planning on shooting the next George Michael Michael or something (laughs) you can apply because this guy is a master of connecting with people his lighting style is also amazing and the way that like he would often have to get on set and have minutes with people so often photographers who are like commercial photographers you might only have a few minutes to photograph a ceo as Mm. a portrait photographer you might only have a few minutes to connect with that teenager there is no difference it's all the same it doesn't matter who you're photographing where they are in the pecking order these techniques work on everyone so i think there is a lot to be gained from listening to this for everyone so i i really hope you enjoy it and I also think it's worthwhile to check out the show notes, which you can find at GinaMilitia.com. That's M-I-L-I-C-I-A. In the show notes, there are the proof sheets, actual proof sheets from shoots that Chris has done with Michael Hutchins from In Excess, with George Michael from the iconic shoot from Faith, with Nick yeah. Cave. And uh, it's just great to be able to see the proof sheets and also look at the ones that he's chosen and the ones that he has decided not to go as his favourites, you know. So very, very exciting. Let's have a listen to Chris Cafaro. Hey, Chris, how are you going? Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on uh Really excited to uh, speak to you and talk about your work. I want to start, I, I love a good quote, right? So okay. I just want to start with a quote and I think it's uh, one of your heroes in photography that said this and you'll probably be able to tell tell us as well. So we live in a world of images. Images have replaced language and reading. The responsibility to your role in history in whatever is going to happen to human beings. You are the new writers and we can no longer be sloppy about about what we do with a camera. You have this weapon in your hands, which is a camera, and it's going to teach the world. It's going to record the world. It's going to explain the world and to the children that are coming. What this world was like it's an incredible responsibility and that's Richard Avedon said that so um, and uh, I know you've said uh, I've heard you say many times that uh, you uh, love his work Um, the stuff that you've done in your would we say it's a 40 plus year career I mean it's a 40 I'm starting my 48th year now Um, yeah 48 number 48 starting right now and you've photographed everyone and I love a quote from you that you said that this is not a job, it's not a career, this is my life. Correct. I found that sometimes people who do jobs and have careers, they kind of say, oh, I understand what you're doing, Chris. And I'm always like, no, you don't. It's it's my life. It's, it's not, I think, a true artist, a real artist 
lives it, breathes it. And I have for 48 years. I wanted to be a photographer since I was 10 years old. Um, and at 10 years old, I wanted to shoot the cover of Vogue. And by 12 years old, I had clients and business cards and I was running a business. And so it's, I've never, I saw myself as Richard Avedon or Irving Penn or David Bailey. I saw myself, you know, wanting to be them since I was 10, basically. And in your work, like I can see, like you, you did kind of straddle the two words, worlds, because there's this, there's when you choose yeah. photography as a life and then as a career, there's kind of two two things that you have to do. That obviously you need to do the commercial work to pay the rent, but then there's and and that feeds you. But then there's the art side of things and the personal projects that feed your soul. And sort of looking back oh. over the body of your work, the fact that you um, invested so much in the personal work and made yourself available to shoot uh, the certain bands that you did or flew yourself across the country to do that personal work, then that led on to all the other work. So the two kind of fed each other, didn't they? Well, the term I like to use is the balance of art and commerce. Right. You, I do, you know, I shoot for Fox Television to pay the bills. Yeah. I, I go shoot some crazy band or friend or somebody to have the fun and feed my soul. Um, so it's always been like if you do one of too much of one and then you get messed up, whether you're doing too much work and making money, you kind of you feel like you're doing you're doing nothing for your soul. But then if you do too much for your soul, you're not paying the bills. So. It's the balance. It's the whole act. And my whole career, I've always believed in that. I was blessed to have really good, what I call teachers and not just photography teachers, but teachers in life. And so that's where I learned how to do, like I said, at such a young age, I learned how to do business. I was talking to professional photographers. And so I just learned about how I had to shoot for fun, but I also had to shoot to pay the bills. And so it's, it's just the balance of it all. I have certain philosophies and certain things I believe in as a person and as a photographer, and they're my core, as I call them, and they're very important to me. So keeps me going. You also said that it's easier to be a heroin addict than a photographer. Do you still yeah. believe that today? Oh, by far, and, and, by, and more fun to be a heroin addict than a photographer. <laughs> so what do you, what do you well, mean because, by that? Well, because people, you know, first of all, it's not an easy profession to do. Uh, it's not cheap. Um, especially, you know, you know, since I always wanted to be Avedon or, you know, in that world, it's not easy. It's just not easy. And like in Los Angeles, I moved to LA when I was 20 years old and my first day I was there, my boss gave me great advice. And he was just saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and he goes, you can take the greatest pictures of a bunch of no, a bunch of nobodies, or you can take crappy pictures of a bunch of somebodies and they're going to go for the somebodies. And he was right. And it's not, again, it's not what you shoot, it's who you shoot. So I had to navigate myself through all that because nobody ever really, I when I moved to LA, no, I didn't know anybody. So I had to figure it all out. But I do believe it's very difficult. All the top photographers in Los Angeles and probably in New York, that the, my peers and stuff like that, they all come from families with money. Yeah, you know, um, they, you know, it's, it's great if you can go, hey, mom, dad, I need a new Hasselblad system. Mom, dad, build me a studio. Hey, mom, dad, do this. You know, I didn't have that. I had to earn it all and from the ground up. And so, um, it, it's an expensive profession to choose. And so, when I meet my friends who have kids or I meet, I mentor like 50 people as of today that I tell them all the time, just know that it's not easy. It's very difficult. It's very expensive. And if you're, I I tell any artist, I tell musicians as well. I go, if you're doing this to become rich and famous, you're making a mistake. If you're doing this because you love it, then I'll do everything in my power to help you because fame and fortune is just, first of all, it's temporary. Second of all, it doesn't really exist. Yeah. I always tell people there's a reasons why I've been in business for 48 years is because I'm not stupid. I don't do stupid and I'm smart enough to know that I'm in this for the long run. So I always, I always tell people I'm always playing the long game as I like to call it. Yes. I always like to give that advice. Yeah. Well, there has to be a reason why you've lasted for this long because a lot of people, a lot of photographers will, will come in, they'll start out, they'll have some early success 
and then yep. you never hear from them again or they go the other way where they focus too much on the commercial side. They make a lot of money, they work hard, but then yep. uh, 10 years in, they burn out, they can't pick up a camera again or they exactly. can't see the photos anymore. So you start, you started at 10? Is that yes. right? I, I always like, I tell people this story a lot is that I saw the movie Funny Face with Audrey Hepburn and Fred Astaire in uh, literally 1969. Yeah. My, mom, my mom let me stay home and watch the movie. And I always loved Audrey Hepburn because I, I loved her in, in um, Roman Holiday. I saw the movie. Fred Astaire played a photographer named Richard Avery who was based off of Richard Avedon. And I yeah. asked I asked my mom, you know, photography, that's cool. And then, you know, what, who's Richard Avedon? And she goes, you know, he's a photographer. So I picked up a fashion magazine, took my first roll of film and t I, I literally came home to my mom and said, I'm going to be a photographer for the rest of my life. And, um, and never looked back. And I started subscribing to Vogue when I was a kid. I was like, I was even subscribing to Playboy. Yeah. For the articles, right? No, for the pictures. <laughs> all, all the pictures. And I started like, I started, you know, I just knew then and there I had business cards by the time I was 12. Yeah. Uh, I was doing everything you, that I do now. The only thing that's changed my life now is technology. Everything yeah. else is the same. And I started shooting models when I was 12 years old and I started shooting concerts when I was 16. Um, just started doing it. I always tell people I don't know a time in my life without it. I, I worked for a private investigator for a couple of years. Really? I worked the police department. Staking out like people cheating uh, on each other. Scenes. Yeah, really? dead bodies, things like that. And, um, is that through your grandfather? Was your grandfather yes. an investigator? Is that how you got that kid? That's how I got all that. And then I turned around and, uh, you know, just like, it's just, I always tell, I can't think of anything else I would do. I'm not qualified for anything else, Yeah. but you know, and then it was just a matter of, I always tell people, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know any, I just love it so much. And the crazy part is I love it more today than I did then, which is uh, I love that you say that. I feel the same way, but you can feel that energy in your voice that you like you're not just sitting there going, well, those were the days. Like you can see yeah. you can hear you can how ask, excited you are about You gotta the, ask my assistants. My my joke to my assistants always is I'll jokingly say to them, Oh, I miss the good old days and their their answer always is, oh, at least you had some and I'm like, That's true, you know. But my <laughs> my motto for life and my motto for my documentary, actually, we're shooting right now. My motto is I have a million stories in the photos to prove it. Yeah, love and that. Most people don't, you know, when I, 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 you know, this exhibition I just did with George Michael, you know, they wanted to hear my stories about George Michael. And I told them all, like, I got a, like, honestly, a million stories. And then it's like, I can back it up with here's the photo from this story or here's the, you know, the story behind this photo. And that's really been my thing for the last five years is about this, the stories and, you know, not just um, not just about the photos or the music stuff because I've done more, but it's just the story of my life about realizing that I have done. I didn't because I always tell I was too busy just doing things not to think about my yeah. life, and now I'm looking back, kind of going, "Whoa, yeah. what did I?" It's so, huge. It's um, massive. So we'll 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 get onto George Michael in a sec, but I just want to go back and so you didn't. You, you learned at school, I think you had like, is it basic training in, in high school or prim, primary school? Maybe? Like, I guess we, we call it junior high, yeah. which is ages 10 to 13 right. about. And I had a great teacher, Mr. Kitajima. He, he knew I, I grabbed on real fast and he, I was the only kid in class to use the 35 millimeter camera. He wouldn't let anybody touch it. And I just, I started processing film right away and making my own prints right away. I was in the dark room probably at least two, three times a week, wow. uh, just, do, just doing my thing and realizing this is what I was going to do. But he was such a great teacher. He told me that I, my, my thing about photography is when I talk to photographers and want to be photographers is that I tell them all the time and it's what he taught me. First, you learn the rules before you break the rules. Yeah. You, if you can't break rules, if you don't know what they are. So a, a person I just met recently, I, I've been t kind of mentoring them and just, I've been teaching them the rules, which to me, there's about four or five basic rules. Yeah. And so then I go, you got to, you know, perfect those rules and then do whatever you want. Then you can do whatever you want. So you, you didn't actually go like a lot of uh, photographers then would have gone um, maybe some sort of, uh, you know, sort of postgraduate course and, or something like that, but, and then assisting and then from assisting into photography. But you, right. you did it a little bit differently. You went straight to work in a, a black and white lab and then from there well, – 
I worked at a color lab first right. before, I, before I moved to Los Angeles, two years before I moved to LA. And then I learned there all about color, every aspect. I learned how to build dark. I learned everything basically. Yeah. It was, it was, it, that was like college for me. Yeah. And then I learned, uh, also learned how to deal with clients and customers, which was really uh -huh. important education. Um, and then I moved to LA and I didn't even know the whole assistant thing. I just moved to LA and got a job at a black and white lab. We were the best black and white lab in all of LA. And we would do everybody's work, whoever came into town. I mean, we worked at, I used to process film for everybody from Herb Ritz to Matthew Ralston and Greg Gorman, Bruce Weber. Awesome. Um, everybody who's anybody. And, um, were those guys, sorry, were those guys, um, generous with information? Like, would you no. shoot? No, no, not at really? all. Really? I won't say too many bad things about certain people, Yeah, but some guys were pretty much, you know, whatever, you know, big deal. The nicest photographer I've ever known, uh, since the day I moved to LA and he's still a friend to this day is Greg Gorman, if you've heard of him. And Greg's a big celebrity photographer. He's done, he's done so much. It's crazy. And we've been friends to this day. And, uh, I respect him. He's one of the nice, he taught me about being a nice photographer, he, not just by example, but, but literally there I was, you know, 21 years old, you know, and he, his studio is above our darkroom and he would be walking in the studios with Sylvester Stallone or whoever. And he wouldn't be like, Oh, those are the little smelly kids that work at, you know, the darkroom. He would stop, introduce us, you know, just, he treated us as an equal in a sense. And he just was so respectful and, I've known Greg ever since, and he's still to this day the nicest guy I know. Wow, that's 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 awesome. Um, at that, I mean, was that a, like a, a thing of the times? Because we're talking, what year is this? Nineteen eighty-one. Yeah, so um, I'm a little bit behind you in my <laughs> photography career, a few years, but I can remember when I was coming through, everyone was very secretive about their lighting, how oh, yeah. they edited their photos, and it was something that the photographer might pass on to the assistant. Right, right. Not always. <laughs> I've never once played that. I've always, I'm, I'll tell anybody anything. Yeah. Because I always say to everybody, you can take the same exact scenario yeah. and get a supermodel, makeup, hair, yeah. cameras, everything. You can walk in the room and shoot pictures, and I'll walk in the room and shoot pictures, and I guarantee mine will be different. In my case, I always say and, and better. <laughs> um, just because of the way I feel about my work and my what I see, how I see that. And I just said to somebody yesterday about how it doesn't matter what camera you have. That means nothing. No, I it's, agree. It's, it's like it's a guitar player. It's like I always tell him, it doesn't matter what guitar he has in his hands. He can still play. Yeah. So you can play or you can't play. It's one or the other. And so back in those days, you know, working in a dark room, what I loved was I got to I got to see the proof sheets and I got to see what Herb Ritz was doing. I got to see what Matthew Ralston was doing. And one of my favorite photographers, Paul Jasmine, who's still around to this day, Paul was a brilliant fashion photographer in LA and he's been a teacher for years. And I got, I learned a lot from him. And so that was really, I always tell people I learned more from looking at proof sheets than probably anything. Well, they're, they're, I think they're a really good teaching tool and yep. uh, you, you've got quite a few on your website that uh, just fantastic to look at just because you can see the flow of the shoot as well so i want to ask you about those as well yeah. but like i just want to try and keep this uh in in order here um so you go from shooting uh like printing in a dark room which obviously would have been a great learning curve and then you just decide to head out uh on your own Yes, pretty much. I, I, you know, I'd always been shooting and I already had clients and I was doing jobs on the side, but while you're at the lab. Yes. And, and then, were you printing all your stuff at the lab for free? Uh, exactly. That's exactly uh, what I did. And I actually roped in the uh, receptionist at the dark room that I worked at. She was answering the phone for me and then I trained her up <laughs> to book my clients in. Yeah. Good I work. just basically, I just basically, <laughs> you know, if I was doing my job and I did it well, the owner who is a friend to this day, Don, he would just, he gave me, he gave me the room and freedom to get creative and learn and teach. And he also taught me a lot. And so I would just, you know, do my thing. But then one day, I think it was about three, almost three years into work. And I just said to him, like, you know, I need to be a photographer. And um, he's like, you know, it's not going to be easy. And I just said, I got to do this. And I didn't know about assisting. So I just started off being a photographer. And the first I always tell people that the first three years were not easy. In yeah. any way so far, you know, and it was not cheap. And uh, I did everything for free for like the first three years. All right. So who, who were you shooting at this time? So actors, models? 
Yeah, pretty much yep. anybody anybody I can get that yep. would, you know pay me and um, and then my first music shoot was in 1980. Official, what I call the official music shoot was 1984, I think, the yep. four, and that was because. Uh, a playmate friend of mine, this girl, Karen, her boyfriend was a big shot record producer, Keith Forsey. Keith produced uh, Billy Idol and did the soundtrack to Breakfast Club. And and I asked her, I said, can I take his picture? And she says, sure. And so I went up to the house. I did a portrait and I made a promo card out of it, sent it out. I got one response from Musician Magazine in Boston. And wow. Gary, who's still a friend to this day, hired me and he gave me my start. And that, within two, three shoots, I was the West Coast photographer for Musician Magazine for three years. Excellent. So what you, they're sending you out and you're doing um, ed- editorial shoots. Shoot. Shoot. Yeah, yeah, like two shoots, but about two shoots a month. Yeah. And, you know, all sorts of things. That's where I got to shoot George Harrison and Robbie Robertson and just so many great musicians and got to meet all my heroes. And so, music so- was my, my next second passion was music. So is this the type of stuff where you turn up to their house or to the, uh, you know, recording studio and you need to get two or three different looks in the yeah. a lot of time that they gave you? So exactly. what was what was your go-to setup for – because it's often that like you sent, you sent to a like a small apartment or a, something that's cluttered and not quite right. Did you go to your de- default or you to something like what Avedon would do, put up a background? How did you, how did you attack those sorts of sh- uh, shoots? You want all my secrets now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically, again, this is this is I'm talking to you because this is I'm you're making me laugh because this a friend of mine back home wants me to start doing lectures because I used to kind of do them for my friend's classroom and now I'm like debating yeah. now I got to do this. You totally so, should. So basically, here's the thing: I have this rule, kind of another one of my millions of rules. So if I shoot on locations. Uh, I like to use the environment when possible, if the environment works, right? Yeah. And then you know how many times you walk in and you're like, this is a dump, this yeah. is shitty, what do I do? One of my tricks is, and I still have it to this day, I don't know what you guys call it here, but we call it a, a, a six by six solid or six by six duvetine, which is, um, you know, a, it's used to, you know, to be block light or cut light. And they put like a six by six is on a frame where you yep. put a silk, but we yep. call them in, in, the, in the photo world, they're called duvetine in this, in the directing film world, they're called solids. Right. So I'd always have this six by six solid in a camera bag with me. Basically it was my go-to, Oh God, this, this, this location sucks. Let's tape this up on the wall. And I would shoot the person against black. Yep. And that way, because it was material, you didn't have to worry about wrinkles. If it was white, it would show wrinkles. You couldn't, you didn't want to carry a whole roll of seamless. Yep. So you just had this solid. And if you look at my own website, if you see anything usually against black, that's usually what it is. Right. Uh, or a lot of times I would just put it next to a window. There's a portrait on my website of Ben Harper. Where uh, that's why I asked you the question because it's because yeah. you explain what you did. So you, you fought. If the locations you, you're looking at the light first, you find the light and then you put your background up, right? Yeah, yeah. Or just like you know, don't tell anybody this, but I'm kind of lazy about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. I don't. I always tell people I'm not the most. I can do technical if I have to. Yeah. I just don't like it, and I can do. I I, I kind of blend. I always tell people I blend the technical with the creative uh, stuff. Some photographers are really technical. Some people aren't at all. Um, so I try to meld the two together and, uh, and especially now the older I get, the less I want to deal with anything. I, yep. tell, well, I just give me one light and I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I keep things really simple. Well, that's I think, pe- no, but that, that's also, um, a sign of talent as well, because I think, um, like you, you, any profession, when people are starting out, you want to show, you want to use all the tools. You see a new yeah. musician starting out, they're going to play all these like really complicated licks and, you know, like to show off everything. Same with photography. I think when you're starting out, you feel like, like I used to feel guilty if I didn't have 10 lights on a shoot. And yeah. so sometimes if I'm like, oh, my God, the daylight's so beautiful. And I used to just pull lights out and put them in on the set so it looked like – I was doing something because you. Well, no, you, exactly. <laughs> you know, if, if you want to give the customer what they're paying for. They want to feel like they're getting something. Exactly. To, like one time, I was doing a shoot with a singer. And it was for Spin Magazine, and uh, the, I just said, "Oh wow, the, you know, we had light and everything." And I just pulled her off, and I said, "Let's go stand here against the wall." And she goes, "Where are the lights?" I go, "It's I go at the window here. It's the sun. Have you heard? It's a light." And she goes, "Oh, really? I didn't know that." And I was like, "Yeah, it's, it's called the sun." So I've had that. Um, and if you look at my like my entire body of work, 
you know, the one thing that thread that keeps it going, I always tell people is simple. And yeah. I, that's, that's what I learned from Richard Avedon yes. and Irving, Irving Penn and David Bailey was all their portraits. They're simple. It's about the person and the subject. It's not about what they shot or what the background is or what's going on, you know, Just keep it simple. That's always done. Always will. I think if you're looking at an image and you're going, oh, wow, they use this a ring light or it's da, 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 and you notice yeah. the lighting then i think it's like you failed yeah. in the in the in the in the portrait i guess because you right. don't notice the person so um yeah i think that's you, you also said about that simplicity um it's like it makes the image uh memorable or timeless and um i think i think it's you that said this you compared it to uh uh something like a, a frank zappa tune compared yeah. well, to I, basically a what Beatles I say, song yep yeah but what i always say to everybody is that you know the simplest music is and the simplest art is usually remembered yep. uh when you try to get complicated you know things then you don't really remember like you know do you really remember, really vividly remember a David LaChapelle photo? And it's like, not really, but I do remember that amazing portrait that Avedon did of Audrey Hepburn or yes. that amazing portrait, you know, that he's did, you know, like, I don't know. I just tell people I spent my entire life trying to keep my life simple, um, let alone the art I like simple or the music I like simple. I just find that I've always said simple lasts the longest. Um, and I think in music, it definitely does. Um, you know, it's the simplest stuff does last the longest. True. Um, so there seems to be the, this common um, thread that goes through your career and it's about uh, the connections that you you make and what they lead to. So um, how did you meet George Michael? Well, first of all, I'm back up. One thing you just said there. So I'll, I'll, uh, did you, you read some of my blogs and stuff? Yes. Okay. So one thing you'll notice that I talk a lot about lately is what I call moments mm. and these moments in life and in time that I've been blessed to have. And these moments to me are all I realized a few years ago, I realized this amazing life that I've had and these amazing moments that I've had and these amazing conversations that I've had all come from one thing, photography. And I realized photography has given me my life. It's given me this conversation with you. It's given me meeting George Michael. It's given mm. me, you know, I've got to meet all my heroes and idols pretty much. And it's given me the best time ever. Like I always tell people, I've, I've had more fun than anybody and I can prove it. Yeah. And, and I dare you to try to compete because you can't. No. So, you know, that's what the beauty of, I, I just said this at my talk the other day where I was just saying, that's the beauty of, it took me a while and I understand this, but the beauty of what photography really has done for me is just given me this amazing life and all these amazing experiences and relationships. So, you know, that's, that's why I, I kind of, and more now that I, I mean, I'm not even close to being done yet. I'm going to do more in the next 10 years than I've done in the last 40. So, um, but it's like going back to George Michael, how, I met hey, George I just, Michael. I just need to stop you there though. Go. But you say, you say, uh, photography gave you all those moments, but it's like, I, I just want to go back another step. Yeah. The common denominator in all these amazing moments that you've had is you. So, so oh, yes. there has to be something about you as a person that 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 has led you. Like, what what is it? What is it in? I'll tell what, you. Great. <laughs> I know what it is. You're, I know where you're going. I'll tell you is what same thing I told my my boss Don the first day I moved to Los Angeles, and he told me all these crazy things, and there I was, you know, young and stupid. And this is the thing I've told everybody for the, all these years. It's a work ethic. Nobody will ever outwork me. Not There's not a person on the planet will ever outwork me. As I scream at everybody every day of my life, do the work, do the work, do the work. When you come to my exhibition, which there'll be big ones here in Australia soon and when all over the world, the one thing I want you to look at is Chris did the work. Chris worked his ass off on every level to get that one photo up on the wall, to get the exhibition, whatever. I'm a workaholic. Yeah. I don't have a wife or kids. I don't care. I want to work. I want to create. My drive has always been I want to create the greatest body of work I possibly can before I go. And that's you. If you told me, hey, Chris, uh, Joe Smith, photographer, works 18 hours a day, I will start working 19 because that guy is not going to outwork me. And my boss laughed at me at the time. But after all these years later, he, I ran into him just a year ago and he said to me, he goes, you're still going. I said, yeah, I know. <laughs> not going to stop. Our motto is, my motto is can't stop, won't stop. 
So no one will outwork me. You got to have work ethic. And it starts from the beginning. It starts when you're an assistant. It starts when you're, you know, at school, you got to have the work ethic. It's a tough, it's a tough life. It's a tough job. It's it a tough is. Okay, so and, and it's work ethic, but you can't be an arsehole as well. No, no. Rule I, I don't my, know how many arseholes have a good work ethic, though. No, rule number one in my life is be nice. Yeah. Uh, I have rule. I, again, I'm keep announcing these. I'll send you a list of my rules, but number one rule is be nice. I don't yep. care who you are. I don't care how famous you are or rich you are. Be nice. And the, the nicest people are usually the ones that are the most successful because they're not trying so hard and they're, you know, comfortable and they, they, uh, I always, I always tell the story of one of my heroes, Iggy pop. The first time I shot him, how he came into the studio and, you know, introduced himself to everybody and shook their hands and got mm -hmm. their names. And then when he was done for the day, he ran around and shook their hands and said, thank you by their, each of their names. Wow. And you just walked, he walked out and we just all looked at each other going, Oh my God. And you know, he was that way every time I shot him afterwards and just wow. what I call being a professional person is like being nice, being, you know, treat people the way you want to be treated, you know, show up on time, you know, you know, make sure that you're, you, you're always giving your hundred percent and, and you'll have success every time. We've seen it too many times to count. All right. So let's, let's get back to George Michael. Um, tell me the story of how that, uh, that whole meeting came about and, uh, well, basically, the, the, the short version of a long story is uh, his girlfriend at the time, Kathy Young, who was my number one makeup artist for many, many years and best friend. She uh, called me up one day and said, you know, George just did a shoot with Herb Ritz. He didn't they didn't like it. They killed the whole thing. And they needed. So a that's true. He did, like, yeah, Oh, it's very true. Wow. Very true. And uh, so George, I did a, I did a, a few shoot reshoots for a few big shot photographers in my career. Um, and basically George, uh, you know, it was like, you got to come meet George and you got to come meet manager. And I did. And, you know, management right off the bat knew they could trust me because it's all about trust. Yes. You know, you have you have to earn it. And George, you know, I got validated by Kathy so that George was like, okay, give him a shot. And, um, so I shot in the faith video where he loved a bunch of pictures. The label was happy. Management was happy. And then it just went from there. And then it was like, oh, can you do this? And, oh, can you do that? And, um, so it really worked. Um, it just all worked and, uh, it built and built in that relationship for a whole year. I was, I experienced things I'd never experienced before because before George, I never really traveled. So all of a sudden I was going to Australia for the first time and Hawaii for the first time and <laughs> trying flying first class private jets. All right. You know? Let's just back up a bit back to the faith video. So that for that video, he's, he's filming the faith video with that iconic uh, image of him with the leather jacket and the guitar. Yep. And this is his first uh, solo album, right? He's just left Wham! Yes. after that, yeah, exactly. at that point. And so this is his big moment and he's come out and he's created this amazing album and then it's like a rebranding. So you're there as – and so this is your first time on, on set with George and you're doing uh, the stills for this shoot, but you were also very clever on this shoot. And the other thing that you did, and this is coming back to your work ethic, Chris, is you set up a second set. So you could have um, hacked this out oh, totally. easily because it's exactly. like doing stills on a – um, music video or for a TV show or a movie is is a pretty cruisy gig. A gig you've got to work for it. You've got to get in and scrap around for the shots. But you rock up with your camera and uh, you shoot what's happening. It's lit for you. Everything's done. So if you were a lazy photographer, you could come away with some good shots and you would have got that that iconic image that you got. But you took that further and here's where here's where your clever and your work ethic shows. What did you do on that day that, that really got you noticed? Right. Okay. So first of all, I'm going to back up a little bit. I, I had been shooting on, on video sets for, for a few years by that point. And yep. I worked with some of the best directors in the business, everybody from James Cameron to uh, David Fincher and Anton Fuqua and Michael Bay. So I'd always been around it. So, and then I also was looking to be a director at some point. And so, and I knew, always knew there was always this downtime and you'd just be sitting, sitting there twiddling your thumbs kind of mm -hmm. go, now what do we do while they move lights or change the set? And so I, I just knew, I said, I'm going to, 
always had my lights and gear in my car and the trunk to be ready. And so I saw that there was going to be downtime. So I just set up a little studio on the side. There was this motor, uh, I think the producer had his motorcycle there yeah. and I just had, I had George sit next to it and take some pictures. And then I had this backdrop. I took some more pictures and George was cool with it because you know, he didn't want to just sit around and twiddle his exactly. thumbs. So it gave us something to do. You know, I'm I'm a time management freak as it is. I, I don't waste time for anything. And so, you know, that worked out. That scored points again with management and the label. You know, I was there, you know, I, I was so hungry back in those days because, yeah. you know, nobody A knew who I was, B, um, I you know, I needed work. And so you would just do anything and everything you could to, to, to make the client happy. And so it worked out really, really well for me. And I learned from that and I, you they know, did. And they, they loved, like, apparently George wasn't that easy to please. It's like, no. he's very particular about his look. And so you should be if you're at that point in your career. So, you know, right. but, but you had a really high strike rate with your images. So there was there was a, that connection there or that trust. And I think if you can make someone look good and they like having you around, you then go to the next level. But just one question, uh, you've also uh, said this in other interviews I've heard with you, that you only got 500 bucks for that shoot. Yeah, don't bring that. Now you're going to no, make no, me mad. No, 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 because <laughs> this is kidding. no, 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 no. And I'm not saying that. Um, no, the I'm not, reason that I'm saying that is that this is really important because I think at that point, had you have come on and been the guy that's like, oh, there's no way I'm doing it for this much. I need this much, and you were unproven at that point. Right. So you've come on and you've you've been paid to show, like you know. So there's there's respect on your part for for getting some money, but. I reckon after that you did that gig, you impressed the pants on them and off them, and then from then on, how many doors did that that shoot open? That initial well, shoot that you did. I have this another one of my rules. I'm going to tell you is I have this rule in life and in business that I would rather do ten jobs for one thousand dollars a day than one job for ten thousand dollars a day. Right. I call work shoots jobs or whatever you call it. I call them rocks in a sense. It's like yep. a throwing a, a throwing a rock in the pond. You get ripple effects. Yep. So. That ripple effect, shooting George, opened doors to CBS Records. Yes. It opened door, I get to meet a new publicist. Yes. I get to meet this. So that's why I always tell everybody all the time, you know, every job you shoot, you learn something from it. And nine yeah. times out of ten, you learn, I'm never going to do it again. But at least you learned. So – when I was younger, I did. I never said no to anything, and yep. I mean, I did some crappy, stupid, low hanging. Is that number? Three, is that on your top ten? Never say yeah. no, or no? Is it should be, or yeah? Yeah, it is. So. it is. Yeah, and great. So, I just had this thing about you know, especially with Kathy being, we were so close for so long and worked together. I was like, I wanted to make, she recommended me. So I needed to make her look good. Yes. So I was going to go that extra mile. And then I also, the managers at the time were big shot managers and they had massive client list and I wanted to get more work from them. So I always tell people, you got, not everything is right in front of you. Not every, you know, moment or opportunity is right in front of you, but there are opportunities if you look for them. When I started shooting for magazines, it was always like, Ooh, I get a chance to, I'm going to shoot so-and-so for some magazine, get paid $150, but I'm going to meet the publicist or I'm going to take these pictures back to the record label, let them look at them and maybe they'll buy something for me. Or maybe I will meet, you know, get a meet a man. Like it was always, I call it ulterior motives. I've always had ulterior motives to everything I do. So it's something I've preached for years. Got to have ulterior motives. So so whenever you go into a shoot, you've got to come away with something for you. And I think when you went into that faith video, yes, you did the stills. Yes, you got those iconic in, um, images. But the something from you was where, where you did that extra work and you got those other shots as well, right. which then then you're on a private – did you fly private with them over to Australia? No, we flew, I flew business class. Oh, okay. So, but, but no, I flew private going to Detroit. <laughs> Lovely. So that that was eighty eight, the yes. the faith tour and that concert in Melbourne. I was yeah. there. I was front I was row. <laughs> you were <laughs> front row center. It was an amazing concert. It How was. did that feel to be there? Because like at that point, you really would be feeling like, holy shit, I've made it. 
Well, during the trip, we were in, I think we were in Australia for almost two and a half weeks. And the first we got, I got into Sydney. I shot a sh two shows, I think in Sydney. Then we did the music video for One More Try in, in the Blue Mountains. And then we flew down to Melbourne. And I think we had some time off. So as I was telling all the fans at the exhibition was that it, George introduced me to something I didn't know about beforehand. He introduced me to, to tequila. So <laughs> I learned before, before George Michael, I didn't never did drugs or did alcohol, never got drunk or anything. So he introduced me to how, how to have a good time. And so we partied like crazy. It was my first time partying. We did got crazy, had lots of fun. And it was, it was great, you know? And, um, so, and then I was shooting the shows and, you know, it was just, and I think once George also getting to know him in, in that kind of bubble, as I call it, he started to trust me because yeah. you know, he, didn't he didn't trust him, but I didn't blame him. Yeah. So, so it was a lot of fun. I always tell people like, again, I have the pictures to prove it. I can, I got pictures <laughs> for everything, you know? So, you know, and I think that, you know, you know, at the same time, like I loved music so much. So there I was, you know, I, I was telling people I, I was shooting concerts when I was, you know, 16 years old in high school and all my heroes and, you know, I never thought about, you know, getting paid for it. I just did yeah. it because it's fun. You know, um, I wanted to be a fashion photographer. So all of a sudden I'm on tour with bands was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So it was crazy. So, so you come back and you're in L.A. and this is a time where I think you, you really started to um, – momentum really started to build around you as as a uh, an industry photographer. But you were doing um, – and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this – a lot of uh, pop and probably getting thrown a lot more commercial stuff. And this is where uh, it got you, – your work ethic again um, comes into it. You decide to fly yourself and invest your own money to go and follow a band called Jane's Addiction around. And, and this is like your personal project. So you're well, getting yourself up to Seattle to, to – to, to, Well, the, basically the way it goes is that – even when I was doing George Michael, like before George Michael, after even now, I, I I just did a shoot last week where I did it all for free. I yeah. I have to shoot and and I have to create. It's what makes me happy. And so during those times, you know whether uh, you know I loved Jane's Addiction. They were my favorite band. I saw them play and the first time was in '89, and I ended up shooting Perry Farrell, and I was just I was honor and and I was like oh my god and. Luckily, I knew the manager and the manager just I said to him, I don't won't charge you a damn thing. I just want to shoot the band. Yep. And he, goes, yep. he goes, you can have all the access you want, Chris, do whatever damn well you please you want. We ain't paying you. And so I would just fly myself and go wherever shows I could go. And they gave me access for the tour and Lollapalooza. And and I did that with a lot of bands like I would uh, my, yeah. my my agents at the time, you know, kind of hated me because, you know, my motto was, you know, play first and pay later. Yeah. And, and so it was like, Hey, Chris, we got you this really nice advertising job, paid you $40,000 for the day plus expenses. And I'd be like, when is it? They go, it's Saturday. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. It's really easy. Big money. I go, sorry, I can't do it. I'm going to San Diego to go shoot Jane's addiction. They go, are they paying you? No, I don't care. It's Jane's addiction in San Diego. I'm going, yeah. you know, so it pissed them off a lot. They didn't understand. Like the first time I shot Nirvana, my agent was like, I was up in Seattle shooting Queensryche and I had a day off and I'm like, I'm going to go shoot this band called Nirvana. And, she's like, and, that, and this is before they'd blown up. No one yeah. had really this heard of right them. When, right when Dave joined the band and the manager was a friend and he set it up for me. And the, you know, the, um, the agent just was like, didn't understand it. And cause she didn't know music, but she just didn't understand it. And then she got upset and I was like, I'm sorry, I have to do this. This is what I do. And, uh, you know, I tell people all the time, if I can show you, I can show you a hundred photos and I probably, you know, half of them I didn't get paid to do. So because yeah. it, and it doesn't matter to me. I said, I always tell people I'm, I'm not in this for the money. I, you know, I need to pay bills. I need to, you know, of course. And, you know, but I'm a starving artist. I do what I love and that's all that matters to me. I want to do this till the day I die. And that's it. Well, I don't care. I think that's, yeah, I, think that's, I think that's why the career is still going because you yes. are doing the personal projects. I, I, I think if you hadn't have done that, you, you would have given up. 20 years ago I would say easily so so there you are um doing the like you you shot that like that big four of um the grunge or sub pop yeah. or was it like Nirvana Soundgarden Pearl Jam Alice and Change you did you did them all and like they were nobodies and within a year right they're all millionaires is that right it just they exactly. blew up that quickly what was that like 
It was fun to watch. Some handled it really well. Some yeah. didn't. Um, but it was fun to be there. Um, I always tell people the story about the first time I shot Nirvana. Dave Grohl was there starving. They had no food, no money. So I bought them all food and took <laughs> care of them. And I bought Dave 100 pairs of drumsticks because he didn't have any drumsticks. Wow. And, you know, and Eddie Vedder, I gave him guitars because he, did, he didn't couldn't afford them. And, and I just took good care of him. I flew, I flew Eddie down to, to see, from Seattle to L.A. once because he wanted to see Fugazi play. And I said, come on, I'll buy you an airline ticket. Come on down. And, you know, all those things. That, but that was just I always tell people at the time, you're not thinking about it. I'm just living my life, you know, doing what I want to do. You know, I always tell I don't do what anybody wants me to do, basically. I'm a lot, rather stubborn. But, uh. You know, it was all it was just fun to watch and, you know, and fun to document and uh, and just watching my friends, you know, go off to fame and fortune. And it didn't really help me all that much. It's not like I all of a sudden I went with them because I wasn't going to kiss anybody's ass and follow them around and like all of a sudden be some of the like some photographers are like they just hold on to one photographer, you know, band or something. Like I was I don't have time for that. Yeah. I, I had my own journey to do and that's why I look back on it all now and I'm, I'm more proud of it than ever because most photographers are known for one thing, yeah. or one image, or they, they're happy with that, you know, one iconic photo. And you I got, always tell I have more iconic photos than anybody. And, you I have, do. and I've had more, I've shot all genres of music and I'm not, and we're not even talking about my other my commercial work or my advertising oh, there's or, a whole <laughs> other arm of you and i'm like oh and there's, a whole like, other there's all this other stuff there's all this like tv and entertainment yeah. like you've shot yeah. for like you know all these major tv shows that don't yeah. even get a mention because it's like oh well, that's his uh it's almost like your uh day job or your well, night job or something whereas right. this is the this is the passion projects here which are more i don't think there i could call many um bankers who have been doing it for 40 years and and have this much energy in their voice about no, looking back no. over, in fact I doubt I could find one that would have this sort of passion when they're looking well, most of them would have regret in their voice actually right but if you talk to my my friends and my publicist here they're like Chris you need to calm down I'm like I'm sorry I can't this is who I am I and, love it uh, I think it's great so <laughs> I, I uh, you know I tell people all the time that you know I've had a vision for my life since I was 10 and that's the difference. Most people don't have a vision and they kind of wander or they don't know. And I always, I ask my friends that I mentor when I help them, I first question I always ask them, what do you want out of life? What do you want? And they don't even know. And I've known what I've wanted. I know how I'm going to live this life. I know what I'm going to leave behind. Uh, I know what the plan is. And, and I always tell I'll tell you this dumb little, I know we're getting off track here, but uh, when I was 10 years old, I used to tell people, and I, and again, this is weird, but I've said it my whole life. My goal in life is to leave behind a body of work. And yeah. then and, and 50 years after I'm gone, they'll have a retrospective, hopefully at the New York Met, and they'll have this massive exhibition of all my work. And all I want you to do is stand in the middle of that whole thing and just go, this fucker had fun when he was here, you know, and that's what it's all about. That's why people say, I'm, God, you look young, you're young. I go like, because I have fun. I have, that's all it's based on. If I'm not having fun, I ain't showing up. It's Excellent. that simple. What, what it's all about having fun. That is. That's how everyone should live their lives. Exactly. And everyone. Um, I've just got a couple more questions to ask sure. you about your technique. Uh, musicians notoriously hate like they're known for not liking. Um, Nobody uh, likes it. And and so it's difficult when you're in that situation. Yet, look, if you've got someone like a George Michael or a, a you know, it's someone he that you've worked it. with for ages, though, you can but get around it. it. They all hate it. Yeah. What was your go-to, uh, like you've got a really great opening line that would, um, and I think you talk about this, and, and I like to uh, this uh use this technique as well uh, a lot of people getting them out of their head so that they're not thinking about right. the shoot what you've got a, like a really good opening line that you would use with people well, well the first of all what i tell people and i i do i just did this last week i met this wannabe photographer had him come to my shoot and i just said watch what i do and the number thing is i say i have a, i always say if you meet me on a photo shoot 
I call it my, you know, my photographer shtick that I use to, to do my job. And my assistants, they just roll their eyes because they've heard every stupid joke in the world. And I, <laughs> Don't you love assistants that just roll their eyes? It's they, like they, my, they hate my, your dad jokes, I think. <laughs> yeah, they, they're just, they, they love me, but they hate, they just hate like, all oh, right, really, Chris, we've heard that one before, you know. <laughs> But um, I have this thing where, number one, everybody I've ever shot, I ask them the first question. I get people not to think about what they're doing. It's yep. like, I know we're here. Nobody hates having their picture taken more than me. Nobody. And I, I, my parents can't prove I exist. They have no photos of me. Wow. And, yeah. So I, once I picked up a camera, it was like I was always behind it. And, yep. you know, up until five years ago, I, I never got in front of a camera, you know, intentionally. It was always when I had no choice. Um, so I hate it. So I would tell these guys, look, you hate it. I hate it. So let's get this over with fast so we can go do something what we really want to do. And when somebody starts complaining about it, like, oh, I hate doing this. I, I just look at them and I just say, you know, first of all, I talk shit to everybody. I don't, I don't, I'm not afraid of anybody. Yeah. I don't kiss anybody's ass and I yeah. talk shit to the biggest stars on the planet. And I'll say to them, look, you know what, you know, you hate doing a photo shoot. You know, what's worse than doing a photo shoot. And they're like, what? And I'm like, being the photographer has to shoot you. So let's get this over with and quit thinking about yourself. We're here for you. I'm here to make you happy. Let's go. And, and so I've always kind of had this, you know, I talk trash as we say in America, you know, talk shit basically. I'm just kind of just, I don't bend over. Oh, you're, Oh, you're a big celebrity. I should be, I should be really nice to you and did it. They don't want that. They don't. So one of the things I do is I always ask people what their first concert is. It's been my standard opening line since I think forever. Uh, It's like, what's your first concert? And they start telling the stories because every, once everybody starts talking about music, it makes them happy. It makes them, it's part of my documentary. It's part of my websites. If you can watch the clips, but it's like, it's part of just people want to talk about things, but what they're not doing, like, you know, the photo shoot. So, you know, all the, and now that I've done these all these years, I also learned way back when I was in, a teenager, I used to shoot for modeling schools and they would make me shoot, you know, a girl that was, you know, five, you know, two and 150 pounds that wanted to be a supermodel. And you'd be like, uh, not going to happen. But I had to learn how to make them look good. I had to learn how to get them to relax. So that was great training for me to deal yeah. with people. And so I just tell people, it's just about getting people to relax. Now I probably talk too much. And now people come to me and just go, I want to hear your stories. <laughs> so, but it's a form of distraction from what we're doing. So it kind of works. Fantastic. Yep. That's, that is a great way. Um, all right. So to finish up, I want to ask you if you could only do one more photo Mm. and you've got one person that you can photograph living or dead. Oh, I know. Who would it be? Uh, okay. Mm. I have a hit. I have, I've had hit lists for years. Of of course you have. Who I want to get to Mm. and who I'd like to and who, whatever. If there's one person I would say that I would say, lock me in a studio with for a day and leave me alone, probably would be Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Uh, because I know I could take the crappiest picture in the world. It'd still be Freddie Mercury at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, but the person, the living person recently, I've said to every, my friends, I go, I would just die again to lock myself in a room with Emily Rodinchowski because she's beautiful and I like her attitude. And I just was all like, yeah, I, I can, I know we'd do something amazing. Um, so I, I, something like that. It's not musicians, you know, people always ask me, well, what about you two? And what about this? You know, I experienced all that and done it all. So I don't know. I, that's kind of where I'm at right now, but that could change tomorrow. Awesome. So as you said, you've got a lot going on at the moment. So do you want to tell us like where can people find your stuff? What, what's happening? Where can we see you or see your work? Okay. So I'll give you this, a short version of a long story. So five years ago, I started Greatest Hits. Uh, our first exhibition was a year and a half, a year ago, basically. And Greatest Hits is going to be my, it's my celebration of 30 years of photography, even though I've been shooting for over 40. I don't want to sound too old. Um, but, uh, but basically what it is, my goal is to do six shows around the world. Uh, last year was Los Angeles. Uh, this year we're doing Sydney, I think in May, June. We're also looking at Italy and South Africa this year. Next year I want to do London, um, uh, uh, Tokyo, and then last one I want to do in New York City. 
Uh, and then in between the big greatest hits are what I call the small greatest hits. Like we just did greatest hits, George Michael. I'm doing greatest hits, no doubt. I'm doing actually in March of this year, I'm doing greatest hits proof sheets, which is just all proof sheets. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. And it's going to be amazing. We're doing this great record store in downtown LA. Uh, I'm doing, uh, I, last, uh, August I did greatest hits martini ranch for a music video I did with James Cameron. That yep. was a huge, huge success. Um, and James loved it. And, um, so I can do, I can do a new exhibition every month for the next 10 years and not repeat myself. Oh my God. I have that much material. So, Gee. and I'm not even telling you about literally the last 15 years of my life, which is even crazy. That's a whole other podcast episode, but there's is a it, lot. Is it, have you thought of writing a book? No, because um, I'm a horrible writer, but I, that's why we're doing a documentary on the making of greatest hits. We mm -hmm. started shooting four years ago. So I like to call my, my DP and my crew, they, we like to call it, it's called greatest hits. And there's a teaser of it on my website trailer, yep. but my, my crew likes to call it watch Chris go crazy. <laughs> and it's true because, you know, each, you know, the idea is to fall, watch me and follow and document me while I make this, this, all these exhibitions come true. And the end of the documentary is going to be in New York city. And I want to do my exhibition in New York at Madison square garden. And so, you know, our motto for the whole project is go big or go home. So how long before the doco is finished or is it going to be like an ongoing, what, what, it, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, we don't stop shooting till what the end of next year to 2019. So I'm assuming right now we keep saying 2020 for everybody. Right. Yeah. So, Fantastic. Yeah. So it's, you know, we show bits and pieces. We use the footage for other things right now, but there's a lot that people haven't seen and all the interviews we're doing and all that kind of stuff. And so it's just, um, it's my journey. Um, I always tell people I survived my midlife crisis, got through it, got, you know, had, had some stupid health issues that were annoying, got through it. And it was like, okay, what am I going to do for the next chapter of my life? And, and I'm going to keep, I got to keep having fun and I got to share my passions of music and photography with the world. Um, like I said, I have more iconic photos than anybody. And my motto, honestly, for the last 30 years is um, I'm LA's best kept secret. Nobody, nobody knows me, but they know my photos. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody know, you know, Oh, talks about all the famous fast photographers or the, all the, you know, big shot celebrity photographers, but nobody knows me. And, um, and I, I want to change that. I want to change that. And I think, so. I think that's definitely about to change for you, Chris. Well, um, thank you so much for the, for taking the time to, to speak Anytime. with me today. And I'll definitely come up to Sydney and, uh, and, and see your show in Have May. It. It's yeah. going to be big. It's going to be big. All the best. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Oh, wow. That is so inspiring. Chris Cafaro, I mean, this guy goes the extra mile. I love the story about how he managed to shoot George Michael and I love how he's just, you know, he's just a, a go-getter. Yeah, he really is. And you can just like, how's the passion? And and that is so lovely to hear like, and inspiring when you hear someone who's been doing it for that long and they still like, I reckon he loves it more today than, than, than he ever did. Like it's uh, mm. like, I really, thank you, Chris. I really enjoyed um, interviewing him. Yeah. Very much. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. So what's coming up for you this week, Gina? So You're doing I've a lot of some, yeah, so a lot on. publicity. Yeah, there's a lot. There's always a lot on Val, and mm. um, so some some radio stuff, which is not radio, as in, but you photograph people for radio. And, yeah, you're not uh, going to be on other, the radio. You're going to photograph yeah, people on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah life, lifestyle stuff. And then I'm working on a uh, a couple more tutorials for the gold community as well. So it's uh, it's full on, Val. What do you enjoy most about the gold community? I think I love a. I love seeing them come in and the the sort of the tentative steps they take. But I already know, and I know you're really good at this. That you you just see you can see the potential, and I love seeing them like down the track. And you go, I oh, you you had that because you get to know everyone so well that you can kind of like I'll see a style of photography, and I'm like, oh, this person needs to be doing that. And then when they post something, you know just how to uh, kind of get them out there. And it's like I'm I'm like the only way I can describe is a proud mother when they post <laughs> stuff. I'm like, yeah, 
They're my goldies. They're awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. It's full of fantastic group of people who are just kicking it. But I love the fact that everyone is at a different level. So it doesn't matter whether you are new to photography or whether you are more established. It just seems to work really, really well. And there are tutorials also for every level. So whether you're a beginner, intermediate or advanced, there are tutorials that are going to suit what you want to know next. And then when you're ready, you can go to the next level as well. So if you're interested in having a look, then go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. Uh, And now we come to the end of this week's episode. So uh, where do we find you online, Gina, apart from ginamilitia.com, of course? So so all social media at Gina Militia. I'm also in the podcast Facebook group. And if you want to connect with me one-on-one and you're thinking of taking your photography to the next level, then check out the gold community. So you just go to ginamilitia.com and click on join the community. All right, you'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and also in the podcast group. If you're looking for that, go to Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community. It'd be great to have you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.